and we get out, we're just in a regular neighborhood, you know, and I kind of feel like, oh my God, you know, like I'm out of place. Like, like I'm a, I'm a slut in suburbia. Like what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Sextras, where we talk about sex and all the extras. I'm Honey. And I'm Maria. And today we are joined by a lovely guest, Layla London, who is the host of the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. And yeah, basically Layla started her podcast after like a three and a half year dry spell. And then she suddenly just woke up one day and was like, oh my God, what am I doing? Like, I need to make the time for my sex life. And obviously, when we heard that, we were like, Rings a bell. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> so yeah, we just wanted to talk to her all about that, kind of like where she, like what she's learned while doing the podcast. She made a sexual bucket list to kind of tick all of these kinks and fantasies off that she wanted to try out, which she's been doing now for like seven years. So she definitely has loads and loads of advice for us and for you guys. And it was a really insightful episode and we think you'll learn a lot from it. Yeah, definitely. So let's get into it with Layla. Thank you so much for joining us, Layla. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. And we've already recorded an amazing episode over on your podcast. So I'm just going to send our listeners over there first or like whatever order you guys want to listen to it, I guess. But you should go check it out. We talked a little bit about like our experience in our generation and Layla asked us loads of amazing questions and it was just fun to be like on the other side of the podcast for once. (laughs) You guys are in the hot seat. Yeah. So now it's your turn. <laughs> I love it. I love the hot seat. You do? I'm a, I'm a switch. I'm a, yeah. <laughs> love that. I can, I, can, I can dominate or I can be dominated. It's all good for me. I'm equal opportunity. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> She's versatile. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's actually an interesting point is because you're an anonymous podcaster, which our listeners will learn. Have you ever had anyone like recognize you in public or like recognize your voice from hearing you in public no which is so (laughs) interesting because you know the show gets several hundred thousand downloads a month and you would think that maybe someone would hear my voice hear listen to the podcast and go that sounds like you know who I really am no (laughs) I mean it's never happened so either Either some, either people have stumbled on it and just are too nice to say anything, which I don't think so because my friends are not that nice. You know, they would have said something. Or, um, or really, it's just we're more insignificant than we like to think. I mean, I'll have guests on. It's funny. I'll have guests on. They're like, like friends of mine, you know, I'll get friends or guys that I see and they're like, oh no, change my voice, change my voice, you know? And I'm like, okay. I mean, of course I always do whatever makes somebody feel comfortable, but Really, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I have been doing this seven years, and I'm still getting away with it. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like maybe if you're not, if you're hearing the voice in the context in which you don't like usually hear it, I feel like maybe it would be harder to recognize. Because I am thinking, like, out of the podcasts that I listen to, 
I feel like I would recognize the voice, but if I'm like just out on the street, I might not, you know, because like I've never been in that context, like hearing that voice. Yeah, I'd love so to. I don't know. That'd be a real fun little experiment, right? If you took me and or you guys, you know, threw us in a crowd of listeners, right? And nobody knows who the actual podcast host is and people just start talking. Like, would you... When it's not in that context, it's like, think about it. If you were at, at a, you know, supermarket shopping and you heard somebody talking, would you turn and go, oh my gosh, hey, that's Layla. You know, like, no, you wouldn't. You're looking at your, yeah. you know, you're looking at your groceries. Yeah. You're selecting tomatoes. You're not going to be like, hey, sexy time. <laughs> yeah. And so what was kind of like the motivation for you being anonymous on the podcast? That's a really good question because it's an interesting story. The whole intention of the podcast was really just to, first of all, I realized after being celibate for three and a half years, like that wasn't intentional. And I, I was like, well, what happened? Why did I, why did I do this now? What, what's the countermeasure to that? And when I launched this countermeasure plan, what is going to happen? And I'm really curious about if I give myself permission to explore my sexuality for a year, make a sex bucket list, pull myself out of this, uh, you know, non-sexual state that I've been so comfortable in for so long, what is going to happen to me and who am I becoming? And so that, I was so curious about that. I, I wanted to make sure that I documented it, you know, because that was important to me. And I just like that kind of stuff. I love, you know, I'm really into you know, self-care and just paying attention and being mindful of phases in my life and how I'm changing, you know, as I move along and get older. So that was really kind of the, the whole point of it. It was a social experiment. I mean, plain and simple. I just wanted to know if I subject myself to this, who am I going to be at the end of it? And I really thought, and so staying anonymous made sense because I was going to shut it down after a year. Mm. It was only supposed to go for a year. Yeah. Oh. It was going to be just a flash in the pan just something. And then that way I could always have it, you know, I, I just have it be a private thing, you know, that's, that was the whole point of staying anonymous. And then mm-hmm. when I decided to extend it because listeners were like, you can't, you know, you can't <laughs> leave us, you can't stop doing this. And I was having so much fun. And I really was like, wow, it, it changed my mind mm-hmm. and about a lot of things and myself. And there was so much personal growth in it that I couldn't, you know, I knew I wasn't ready to stop. I knew that I still had more work to do. So Mm. yeah and so did your friends and family kind of know from the start or did was there a point where you were like oh I should probably tell them now still nobody really knows there's a few friends that know family no mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want them the way I have you listened to my show the way I talk as raunchy as I am <laughs> I know see, I come on other people's shows and I'm very polite and then when you get my show I mean you know I'm just when I'm describing sex acts I'm very graphic about it I, I I feel like that's part of my thing is being able to explain and have conversations with people about sex in a way that's normal that normalizes it you know mm. and we use if we want to say pussy we say pussy or you know whatever it's it's we use the descriptives that we want and that it's not offensive mm-hmm so can you can you take us back a little bit? Can you tell us like a little bit about that three and a half year period where you found yourself being celibate? And like, as you said, it wasn't intentional. And yeah, sort of like yes. what was going on. Yeah. And this is this bit. is kind of an important lesson because I know that this happens to a lot of people, especially women, because we're such kind of we'll give, give, give to our detriment. And, and um, I just was 
I'm a type A and I have a, I've, I'm a businesswoman. I've always been a businesswoman. And I was so entrenched in my work and what I was doing. And it was a time where the market really just needed, I had to sort of like, it was my, take my chance. It was take my shot, you know, like this is it. And so I had to really work really hard and I loved it. And really what I did, what I was doing was it, that like became my porn. I was kind of obsessed with it, you know, and I would sit at my desk and work all hours. And I just, I felt like, I'm accomplishing all this stuff. And I was, but I wasn't paying attention to the things that I was, you know, what, what detriment was coming from that. And so it was slowly over time that I just realized that I was distancing myself from any kind of romantic relationships, any kind of physical touch, you know, anything that sort of took my time and attention. I felt like I started to see it as this takes away from that instead of, you know, have some balance in your life, girl, you know? (laughs) So I was, I would just seriously, slowly, it's not like, like I said, like one day I was just like, nobody's going to, you know, touch me again. No, I just, I kind of found my way to it. And I realized that, well, you know, just as easily as you got yourself here, you can, you can change your mind about this and change it. And literally with the second I had that thought, it was within seven days, I was back to business. (laughs) Love that. And before this period, would you say you had like quite a high sex drive? Like you were like having a lot of sex? Yeah, I felt like I was always, I I wouldn't say like I was some, you know, I had a crazy sex drive, but definitely it was high. Yes. I mean, when I was with a partner or, you know, or dating, absolutely. I I enjoyed sex. I loved sex. I didn't have any hangups about it. I was just pretty much having kind of regular vanilla sex. And I thought that that would, you know that was fine for me at the time. Like the, my, my evolution as a sexual being, you know, really hadn't started yet. And so that was a big part of this was to see, you know, like I said, if I, if I, if I prioritize my sex life the same way I do my business life, what's going to happen? And a lot of good things happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, but we don't think about it that way. Right. We don't think about our sex that part of our sexuality, we don't think about making sure that we maintain it, that we're always kind of checking in on it and that we're challenging it in ways like pushing it in different, like try different things and experiment. I mean, we just do not do that pretty for the most part. So I kind of wanted to see what happened when I did. And beside like not prioritizing it during that period, did you find you just like, because you were so busy, you didn't really get horny or like you kind of did, but you were like, ah, whatever. Slowly, this is what I've learned. And I think this is so important because I feel like as women, we will hit every, I think every female might hit this phase at some point in her life for different reasons. They'll get there for different reasons, but you'll have this time where you kind of start to see, it's like a spigot. You slowly, you're turning the spigot off until there's not even a drip. And, and so it's easy just Mm. to open it right back up again and let the flood come out. But what, what I was doing was just, you know, I slowly, when you stop doing something, you don't see yourself that way anymore so much. And and you don't think, and you kind of convince yourself like, Hey, I don't really need it. And it's kind of like exercising, you know, you may, you may, you go 10 days without exercising, nothing may happen, but you compound that into three years and you're going to have, you're going to notice some physical changes. There are changes, but just as easy as you got there, you know, you can just go, okay, well, now I'm going to get back into it and start exercising. And when you do, you feel great. 
you're excited, you know, you're looking at yourself like I'm feeling myself, you know, and just a lot of things come out of that. So and on that level, the same way as you do that, you know, if you kind of think about your sex life that way, it comes back instantly. And once you start using it more, sex begets sex. So I'm horny all the time now, all the time, consistently for seven years. Like just, I love it. I think about it. I'm always like, what can I do? What kind of pleasure? What new fun things can I explore? And there's so, so much out there. There's no, I've never, since I've made a bucket list every year since I've started and I scratch things off and every time I scratch things off, guaranteed that experience gave me, gives me something new that I tapped into that I didn't know that was exciting. And then I add new stuff and it just, just builds on itself. And, you know, it always keeps so, so I feel like my sex life is always hot. It's always fresh. I'm always, you know, new things and trying new things <laughs> and having just, like I said, really understanding my body and how much pleasure women's bodies are phenomenal. Like, cause we can have G-spot orgasms, A-spot orgasms, you know, anally, and then also, uh, clitorally. I mean, we, there's so much going on. So it's kind of like, you know, it, <laughs> there's a lot of ways <laughs> to make this a good experience. So yeah, I just, <laughs> I, I take full advantage of it and I have no, no shame about that. <laughs> And so you kind of started to like make this sexual bucket list, as you were calling it. What was like, yeah. how did you decide what was going to go on? And what was like the one thing that you were like, okay, I want to do this straight away. And what was the first thing you did? So, well, I think the first thing was just break this dry spell. So we did, I did that. <laughs> and, um, and then the next thing was, I really, I mean, I made a list of just, also, let me answer. There's a couple of questions in there. So yeah. I... I was when to make the bucket list because I knew again like okay, again I kind of put a business plan in place. This is like putting a business plan in place. So think about your bucket list as your business plan for your sex life. It's like where do I want to take it, and what are the goals here? And we all know I think from any kind of business one on one, if you write stuff down, it helps. So I had to. I was just brainstorming. I'm like watching some porn. You know, like what are all the things that just turn me on? And if if something turned me on, I was I would be like, okay, just write it down. Didn't, didn't mean I was going to do it. And then from there, I just kind of like reorganized that and was like, what are the things I really want to go out that I think are kind of achievable? Some of them were more, you know, like, I think I can get this knocked off pretty easy. So that, that would be an easy win. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't trying to do anything super crazy, but you know, I just added like, I hadn't done very much. So I, first of all, I wanted to know how to squirt. I wanted to be with a guy with a really, really big dick, like a porno sized dick. And I wanted to have threesomes. I wanted to go to sex parties and have all those, you know, just experience that and maybe start dabbling in the swinger stuff. And so probably the first big thing that got knocked on my list was, mm. and mm. I, I met, and so how I kind of, the what I did with the bucket list, because I didn't have a partner. So I, you know, got on these like, dating apps, I'll call, loosely call them dating apps, like hookup apps, you know, like Tinder, things like that, where people kind of know like, hey, it's a little, it's a little less e-harmony and a little more, let's get, let's get to the physical stuff, right? Um, <laughs> and nothing wrong with e-harmony, it just, you know, it's like you kind of got to know what you're going after. Um, and so uh, I had that list and I told these guys, you know, that I would meet what I was doing. And first of all, it's a great icebreaker men love to hear this. They're like, they're going to latch onto that. 
And then what would happen is different guys wanted to do different things. So one guy was like, oh, I'm like, the, I'm the captain of the squirt team. I can teach you, or I know how to do this. I can do it, I swear. You know, and I was like, I was skeptical. I really was. I was like, come on. And this guy was a little bit younger than me. And I was like, what do you think you know about my body that I don't? Well, he did. And so that was like, one of the, that was amazing. He and I ended up staying together for, you know, doing a lot of stuff over three and a half years. And so, so there was, you know, that guy. And then another partner was like, I would really love to go to a sex party. I've always wanted to do that too. So we would go, you know, we went off, off, we went to a sex party. And, and the fun part is that, you know, you're either, you're either with someone who's like, Hey, I've done this. I can take you through it. Or I've never done that either. Let's do, let's do this together. You know? So it, every direction I went with it with someone was fun because they're either, you know, leading or we're kind of like cheering each other on like, okay, we can do this. Yeah, let's go. You know? <laughs> so you sort of like just met these men and kind of like, how did you find the confidence to sort of like, just go for it and well, be so like open about it? I mean, it? The, the fortunate thing is the men kind of, they make it easy, right? Because they're usually the pursuers. I mean, and if you have kind of a, so we do sort of, ha I think as women, we, we have a bit of an advantage, you know, we don't have to always be the one pursuing someone, a guy, you know, and I kind of like that, <laughs> to be honest, I'm like, let him do the heavy lifting. Um, you know, and so, so that, that just made it really easy. And, um, I didn't feel weird because I made a, I made my, uh, profile at, with the intention of, I'm going to write this so well that the goal of this profile is to sift and sort for me so that I, as, as much as possible, I don't end up talking to people that aren't, that don't understand what I'm after, that aren't down with the program. And then, you know, then, and that aren't meeting my criteria. Right. So I put the things I'm looking for. And then, then I'd sprinkle in a few things in a, in a positive way, like of what would probably wouldn't be the best fit for me. So, you know, I really feel like, writing a good, honestly, writing an excellent profile and having good pictures and stuff that really helps. So that that's going to do a lot of the weeding out for you. And then from there, you know, you just see who you have chemistry with and it's fun. You know, I mean, like you, I just go on all these little, I call them meet and greets, you know, where, uh, and that was before COVID, right? So then when COVID happened, you know, we're just doing all this stuff on video and all that. Um, but I had regular partners at that point. So Thank goodness. So I was able to, I was still able to keep the Kobe COVID time sexy, <laughs> but I wasn't really meeting new people. Yeah. But I already had, you know, um, some regular partners in there. Was there anything that you were like expecting to really enjoy that when you came around to doing it, you were kind of like surprised that you didn't enjoy so much? Yeah. Well, there were things that where I would, yes, absolutely. So there's things where I thought, that seemed really hot. And then when I was there, I was like, oh, and this is a, I think this was a really good lesson for me. When I, the first time I went to a sex party, I was all, you know, I, I was so excited and I thought, you know, okay, my partner had found this sex party. So I was all excited and, you know, it was supposed to be like this masquerade ball. So we even got these masks and I'm thinking eyes wide shut. I'm thinking we're going to be going to this 
gorgeous mansion on the hill and everybody's going to be dressed, you know, it's all the beautiful people, all the movie stars. <laughs> like, I don't know what I was thinking, but I definitely had sort of a, you know, what I had seen on TV and like in porno and like, I just had all these preconceived ideas. And then <laughs> when we roll up, we're in the freaking suburbs. I mean, there's like station wagons and footballs and soccer balls everywhere. And, you know, and I'm like, where are we? And we get out, we're just in a regular neighborhood, you know, and I kind of feel like, oh my God, you know, like I'm out of place. Like, like I'm a, I'm a slut in suburbia. Like what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> so, so we go, we go in and it's, we walk in and I mean, it is literally, the, no joke, these people have done a total takeover of their home where there's, it's all like there's porn going in the living room, there's people naked lying around, there's people, some people are clothed, some people are naked, there's a potluck with bubbling chili and wieners, cocktail wieners, and I was like, ew, who would want to eat the chili before they have sex? I This seems wrong to me. And then, and then we're walking around and like, it's just normal people with normal bodies. And I'm thinking like, you know, there's dad bobs, mom bods, there's all different ages, ethnicity, everything. It was so varied and so vast. And I, I was kind of like, I wasn't ready. I, I honestly wasn't ready for the normality of it. I mean, I really kind of was like, it took me a second. It threw me. Cause I was like, Oh, Whoa, I don't know. I don't know if I feel comfortable. And then, and then, the more I kind of got into it, you kind of, you're just talking to people, you're like not even paying attention to the fact that they're fully naked introducing themselves. And because everybody was so nice. And it was, it was really that moment where I learned like, you know what? I mean, sex is for everybody. I had, I have to get out of my head here. And I'm just thinking, again, it's only what I've seen, you know, I didn't realize how marketing had affected me. You know, like I'm just thinking it all should be beautiful people in perfect shape and only them and only them getting it on. Right. Mm -hmm. And it just was, once I kind of shed that mind, you know, that concept, it was fun and I loosened up and I ended up, it was one of those things where I thought we were going there. I thought maybe we'll find a couple, maybe we could find another couple to swap with, you know, or I could, we could find a girl, you know, cause I'd never, I'd never had a, a female, male, female. I thought maybe we could find our girl here. So we had, we kind of had some preconceived ideas about, or some intentions rather about what we were going to do and not do. We knew what our boundaries were. We had great communication with each other. And so that was good. Um, and then we went, we were, as we're walking around, there's all different kinds of rooms. There's the orgy room. There's the, um, there's a room where couples are just having sex together, but there's just a bunch of all couples. They're not touching each other, but just being in that same room and kind of getting that sexy energy. So, <clears throat> and there's a lot of people watching that. So we walked in there and I was kind of like, really, I, I was feeling it. I'm like, okay, this is turning me on. I'm liking this. I don't, I don't. And at that moment I was like, okay, I don't think I want anybody to be with anybody else, but you, but I would, you know, I just wanted to give him a blowjob in front of everybody. Like I wanted, I wanted to go into the couple's room. I didn't want to have sex just to, you know, like flat out, you know, go for it. But I'm like, let me, you know, let me suck your dick. So as he's doing that, or as I'm doing that, I can hear all these people around me coming coming in and watching us and I could hear what they were saying. And I, I was getting really turned on by them watching. 
and by how exciting and thrilling that was. And then that was just like, that was getting me super wet and turned on. And my, you know, my body's responding to that. And then I'm just more into this blow job and I'm just all about it. And it, and that's where I realized how much like I voyeurism, because people would ask me, are you into voyeurism? I'm like, ew, no, no, I don't care if some strangers are looking at me. You know, I'm like, no, I just want to be connected with my partner. What I realized was in that scenario and in those scenarios, I'm still super connected to my partner, but we are just adding an extra layer of spice on there that is really fucking hot. So I really enjoyed, that was just a kind of an eye opener for me, that whole experience. And, you know, it taught, like I said, then I was like, I do like to be watched. I do like, yes, come look at this, you know? <laughs> so I realized I like that. I, I realized, you know, that um, that turns me on when I didn't think so. And then from there, you know, I kind of was able to explore that more moving forward. How did you find, like how, not prepare, it's just, I'm kind of like trying to like look at it from, like someone that's a bit more like me if I was like oh I really want to like go to a sex party and do that and it's like it's one thing saying it and it's another thing doing it so how did you sort of like when you were coming out of this period and starting to do all this thing like how far in to this whole experience was that experience for instance you know like how like because I imagine it was like a little bit of a build-up. And as you said, like, yeah, I'll go for the blowjob, maybe not the full sex, and this made me see this. And so I, I can see how it's like a domino effect, but how did it all kind of start to, you know, like to give you the courage essentially, yeah, to actually like go through with these things. Yeah. Actually do it. Yeah. Well, there's, the you know, like I said, really making the list and then discussing it with someone else and then just like I said, kind of letting them, you know, be the one to search for a party and schedule it. And then we go, you know, it, there, I won't, I won't say that there wasn't a, you know, a healthy amount of apprehension a little bit just because it's something new and that's normal. But the fact that I knew that I was going to do this with someone that I really trusted, you know, and that had my back and I had his, that we would be okay. Cause the worst case scenario is we'd walk in and go, we're out of here, you know, but it's just honestly, when you're doing this with somebody yeah. else, it it's fun. It goes from scary to scary fun. You know, it's kind of like if you, if you know, if you and honey are standing on like, you're going to bungee cord jump and you're going to jump at the same time. Like, you know, you're scared as shit, but you're doing it together. And that, that, that is a completely different experience in trying to do this, you know, solo. So it bonds you to those people tremendously and, and you're going to be doing some kind of life-changing things together. And it's really fun, you know, and that sort of really downplays any kind of fears that you may be having. And even if you are nervous, you get to talk to your partner about it, you know, and again, nobody has to do anything that they do not want to. It's all consent based. So at the worst case scenario, I, we would just have gone to this party, stayed fully clothed and observed and left when we were done with our observation. You know, it didn't have to be anything more than that. And if it feels better to say, let's just, let's just go and see, you know, then it's, it's almost like, okay. And you can yeah. tell like, a, this takes great communication, obviously. Right. And, and I'm, I highly, highly prize excellent communication with my partners and people. I mean, it's just, it's a top tier thing. I have to have it. And so 
again, just being able to say, you know, to tell them, you know, I'm, I, I'm a little nervous about this. Let's just, I don't want the pressure of having to perform or do anything. Let's just agree that let's just go and we're just going to look and see. Right. Because when you get there, you know, if the only expectation is just get through the door, when you get there, if you're having a good time, it's perfectly easy to move into something else, you know, and just discuss it then. Like, Hey, I am I'm feeling this, like, you want to do anything? What do you think? You know, like that, and then it's, just, you're already there and you can tell, you can read the other person. And again, it's just non, it's kind of just doing these things in non-threatening ways where you're realistic about the expectations and about what potentially could be roadblocks for you. Do you have any other tips like communication wise for like good communication with partners? Like any, you just mentioned like little phrases that you just said, even things like that, like, oh, like, should we just go and like, just see how it goes? Like things like that. Yeah. What I think it, I think is important is if you're, if there's something that's you're apprehensive about, or you believe could, you could be apprehensive about like the sex party thing. Like when I get there, you know, we had discussed what, okay. We've kind of just talked about it. Like there was no, we, we thought it would be cool if we found a female that okay. we found attractive and that I could maybe have my first bisexual experience with her and all of us together. And so, you know, if that worked out, that would be kind of fun, but it w wasn't the expectation. It was like, that was more like, if I buy this lottery ticket, wouldn't it be fun if I won? <laughs> you know, it's just, I'm going to spend the money. Like we're going to the party. <laughs> like it maybe, maybe that could happen too. But we really, I think we're just, uh, you know, we didn't put any pressure on ourselves and, and, you know, and then it's okay to say, I don't want to go here like feeling any kind of pressure. Like, and I certainly don't want to let you down. So let me tell you where I'm, you know, where I'm, where I could be a little hesitant and let's make sure that that's not going to bum you out. You know, and you can just like talk like that, like make it like, I don't want to let you down, <laughs> you know, cause we're going together. So let me tell you what I'm thinking might, could be some, where I might be a little apprehensive cause I've never done this and I just don't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. So I really kind of would like this first time to be more of mm -hmm. a, just a fact finding mission where we just see what it's all about and take it all in and see if we like it. And you know, if we're feeling if we're feeling, if we're feeling it, then we'll, we'll decide to do what, you know, from there, we'll decide where to go from there. Mm. But that you don't have any, you know, there's no, like you better do X, Y, and Z. Mm. And can I just ask, are th these partners or this specific partner, for instance, was, did you find like you had more just sexual partners or were these also romantic? Like, were you with these people like exclusively or was it, yeah, like what was the situation? Yeah. Well, so when I started all this, now I've always, just the way I was going at it, you know, cause it's different. Everyone's going to be different for everybody. You could be, someone could be doing this in a partnered situation or they can be doing this like I was totally solo. And then if they're solo, there's different reasons for them wanting to do this on their own. For me, you know, with my intention, it was, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to sneakily do all this stuff for a year. And then I'm going to sneak into the background. Like it never happened. You know, like, so that was, so I knew that if I wanted to get as much of this list done as I could, I'd have to have different partners, which I was okay with. I wanted that experience as well. I didn't expect everybody to check off everything 
in my bucket list, which is also a good metaphor for your partner. If you have one partner, you, know, you can't expect them to just be, be everything, be your total sexual everything, end all. And because that's a lot of pressure to put on one person, mm-hmm. right? So I, you know, I was able to just negotiate sexual non-monogamy with all of my partners and we do it ethically and I still to this day do that and then you know I'd have I had I think you know I probably had three solid partners at one time and sometimes two just depending on what was going on and so somebody always wanted to do something <laughs> knock something off the list like you know it, it worked out that way but but there weren't like not not everybody wanted to do everything they would that was the beauty of it it was kind of like they would zero in on what they most wanted to do too or they were most confident in that they could help me through or however they you know it was it's really it was an, it, it, when i say it's an icebreaker it is an icebreaker even though you would think that would be like oh my god look at that sex bucket list no the guys are like oh you know, here's their chance to kind of be the hero, right? I can do this, or I'm really good at that. Like, trust me, let me let me do that for you. So, it just it it just worked. And you've been doing it for like seven years now. Is there is there still stuff that you haven't tried that you want to try, or is it kind of like once you kind of go down that road, you just realize how much stuff there is to discover, and like the list keeps just growing. It's you. You're opening Pandora's box, okay. which is, but it's really fun. It's not like it's. And you don't turn it. You're not turning into this like crazy sex fiend. It's just that you just kind of. It really helps you reevaluate and changes your mind about your sexuality and how important it is, but also how many just. It is so vast people's preferences, desires, and the way that you can connect with another human being is so, so vast. Mm. And I came from a very straight-laced, very traditional, uh, very vanilla, and I don't use that in a, in a derogatory way. You know, that's just what I knew and what I was comfortable and familiar with. I just didn't really know what I didn't know at the time. And so by allowing myself and giving myself that permission to explore those parts of me that we just don't usually highlight as women. Wow. You know, I mean, I was able to, I knew I was confident in certain areas of my life, but then when I'm able to apply that to all areas of my life, it, it really makes a big difference. So still, and that's why, that's why it's not something what I've realized it's not something that you just go and visit. It's not a part of you that you're like, Oh, I just had that fun summer, you know, like, no, you know, like this is, I really realized how important it is to me to that sensuality and sexuality matter. And I want to maintain it. And I also understand that like anything, you know, we're all busy human beings with responsibilities and obligations, but that this is important to me and I'm going to make sure that I keep it on my list. And most people don't even have it on their list, you know, like making sure that they're doing something once a week at least or whatever, how, whatever, whatever they want to set their goal as that, you know, where they're really exploring and pouring into that part of themselves. Mm. 100%. What, what are some of the main reasons why you like wanted to carry it on? Like, what did you see in your actual life, like improving? Just that, I mean, I, 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 
I just feel better. I feel, honestly, I feel sexier. I feel prettier. I feel, or I just notice like femininity. I didn't really realize that it kind of comes, it's not the exterior. It's something that really emanates from the inside out. And when you tap into that, it's just like, it's powerful is what it really is. It's, it's like, it's a source of power. Uh, and I'm not trying to get out there into, you know, woo -woo land, but you know, when you're confident and strong about something and in something and you're like, it's just a very powerful feeling. And I, I believe that when women are comfortable with that, that it does come from the inside out and it's almost like turning a light on. And I know when, and I know when I can turn it on and off, like sometimes I'm like, I don't want the attention, but I feel like men, boy, they like, they pick up on that. They really, really do. They're like, you're like a light source, a lightning rod. They're just on it. There's some sort of weird caveman primal lizard brain thing where they're just like, whoa, you know, I love that feeling. You know what? I love knowing that, um, that I have, I have that in me. And I also know, you know, that there's just a lot of good things that come out of that, that I'm happier. I'm, I'm, I'm more solid in myself. I'm a better communicator. I res I, I'm solid on my boundaries and I don't apologize for that. And I ultra respect other people's boundaries too. And I don't, I'm not trying to talk them into seeing it my way. Mm. Just, um, being a good listener, being a good, better negotiator. Cause I always felt, I already felt like I was like good at that, but just, you know, all of these things. And then when you weave like this subtle layer of femininity in there and it gets kind of seductive, you know, and I like it. I hope all women really get the chance to like feel grounded in that, like just own it, like feel it. It's, it's, it's great. I mean, it, it's amazing actually. Hmm that's so that's like so interesting for me because as I was telling you I think when we went on your podcast I've like not had sex in like a year and a half now and I know that that's like kind of a big trend at the moment for like young people it's like exploring celibacy whether it's because like they just had enough of their dating experiences or like maybe people are just a bit more like reserved so I'm wondering if you have any kind of insights or advice for people like me or other people in my generation of like do you think there was any value in you being celibate for a while do you think that kind of helped you then see the value in sex or do you think it's kind of I don't know yeah what do you think about it I think balance is incredible and sometimes you need to pull back and you need to give yourself that downtime I still have that now, even with my sexuality, where I'm like, you know, I just kind of went through that. I had too many people, too much trying to get my attention. And I was, and I have to be like, no, I have to preserve and protect. It's like, put your life mask on first, give to yourself. And then when you're ready and you have it to give, then you can give it. And so, um, and that goes with friendships, sexual relationships, you know, everything. I mean, we we're if we're like a little battery source, we can't just deplete ourselves. Sometimes we need we need that downtime and it is very valuable because it gives you by removing that you'll see things that you didn't see you know and so what i'm suggesting is hey i i think that's valuable too you know taking downtime as long as you need and if it's a year hiatus or two or three and a half like i did but at some point you know don't lose sight of the fact that 
to completely shut it off is probably not going to serve you well over, you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years. I mean, that's going to be detrimental. So just have balance with it. And, and if you're going to do it, do it mindfully. Why are you doing it? Where are you going with this? What is the goal? What are you taking away? You know, are you learning from this or are you really just kind of shutting down? You know, so there's a difference. So if you're going to do it, get value out of it and, you know, and know what it is that you, what your intention was, what did you need coming into that celibacy period and are you getting it and, you know, and adjust while you're there so that you can get the full benefits out of it, the, you know, whatever it is you wanted out of it. Why did you, I mean, why have you been celibate for that long? You probably told me and I'm sorry if I forgot. Um, I feel like. I just, yeah, I kind of went on like loads of bad dates and then I was kind of like, oh, can't really be bothered anymore. And then there was a bit where I think it was like unintentional, but then I kind of was like, oh, I'm enjoying this. Like, this feels good. Like, I'm just going to see like if this helps me like raise my standards or whatever in any way. And then now I feel like I've reached my kind of limit and I want to get back out there. So yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I feel like I've had a bit of a mixed journey with it but I feel like I've found a bit of mindfulness like you're saying like I feel like I understand it more now so yeah no I I completely relate to what you're saying yes is there anything else like in terms of our generation when you like see or hear about our sex lives that you're like wow like I wouldn't do it that way or I don't know something that's shocking to you No, you know, I mean, I, I think this all the time on my show. I'm like, I just feel like the 20 somethings are, I'm so proud of you guys. I mean, honestly, I feel like you're, I, I, I just, I believe I, what I see is the change in my rearview mirror. I see it, the, the wave coming behind me that this is where the tipping point is. It's happening with you guys. And I feel like sex, sex and sexuality is becoming more normalized. And, and I don't, you know, I feel like you guys are more open. I feel like you guys have better communication about it. And that's all just going to lead to really positive things. And I, I, I feel like you guys are the start of a real big shift and a change for the better. So I'm super excited about it because I, I just, I feel like eventually, you know, I think like I might've mentioned on my show, my goal with my show now, it's different than it was when I started, right? The goal, the whole thing, reason for starting it doesn't kind of exist anymore. But now the goal is that, what you know, as I've done it and I got feedback, I realized just how fucked up we are about sexuality, you know, a lot of us. <laughs> and, um, and how, you know, there's still a lot of repression out there. And so I'm, you know, and I, and the, and the fun part is now I see that I've been doing this long enough. I see the change behind me coming. And I also feel that the people that I'm reaching and that listen to my show, they're changing too. They're starting to experiment and get, and, and have more dialogue about it. And eventually what I hope is that these kinds of conversations, you know, are completely, so normal that they're boring. Like, no, you know, it's not salacious and exciting to listen to a sex podcast anymore because like, I could get that kind of talk at home. Like, I mean, like I have that with my friends, this is normal stuff. This, <laughs> this has lost its heat. 
And that's really what I want to see. I want to, I want to fade out into obsolescence, you know, because this just isn't riveting anymore. And when I, when I get to that point, then, you know, I think either I'll, either I'll just quit before that happens or, or, you you know, play, if I don't see the tail end of it, I just hope, you know, that in some small way that, you know, my shows made a difference to people that listen to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, I mean, I think we completely are on that. I mean, like we co-sign that message completely. Like yeah. we definitely want to normalize the conversations and just, yeah, as we said on your show and like, as we say time and time again, everyone has sex and sex is for everyone. So it shouldn't be such a, weird thing to talk about or uncomfortable or even like yeah when you just think about like the amount of stuff that people are like embarrassed about Mm. or like think that they're not normal you know things like that like things that I've told my sister about sex and she's like yeah that's like a specific example like when you have to like run to the bathroom to get like all the cum out of your vagina before it like gets everywhere on the bed and it's like yeah like why she was like why does like like no one talks about that like no like if you wouldn't have told me I would not have known how it just like comes out and you have to like go clean it up and everything yeah. and it's like yeah like I know, but literally I know. You know, do you know what that, I want to tell you there's these little sponges you can use that completely like you put it in there and you just go and it gets it oh my god yeah. Oh my god! I need one of them. I'm like, trying honestly, to reach out. I'm sick you should do it too. It. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you the link for that company. I'm sure there's other companies like it, but I'm gonna reach out to them. And be like, you need to sponsor me. You know, you need to sponsor my show because I get to sell the hell out of these. Oh my god! Yes, that sounds amazing. Seriously, <laughs> I know. It's not like uh, I'm gonna. I, I, I've been involved with a thruple, and the the female in uh, in the thruple. I call her Jill. Uh, she she told me about. She's a nurse. She told me about these. I was like, Oh my god, where have these been all my life? Yeah, because <laughs> you know it gets funky in there when it's just like <laughs> brewing around in there. You gotta get it out. It's so annoying. And you think you've gotten it all out, and then you like put new pants on, no. and then they're just like, Okay, great. Exactly. It just I know those again. Pictures. Yes. Honestly. Yeah. I'm gonna send you. Yeah, I'll, I'm gonna. Good. I'll email you guys the link. <laughs> oh my yeah, god, for yes. it for the. <laughs> <laughs> okay <Yeah. laughs> amazing yeah. then we can both reach out to them and say hey we talked about you on our shows i mean you, you really do need to sponsor us at this point <laughs> yeah exactly we're just doing free advertising, <laughs> free advertising. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay do you have anything else you'd like to add no i mean just i guess just to kind of sum it up i mean it's you know if anybody's thinking about they want to get uh get going and they're not really sure how to start like i said the sex bucket list is super powerful it seems like such a easy thing but it really again it's an icebreaker it's something you can take to your partner and be like these things look like every friday let's cross one of these off or what you know it's just there's so many ways to utilize it and it will help keep you focused and just get you going. And if you're not even sure how to make one, I do have a free sex bucket list tutorial on my website at thecuriousgirldiaries.com. And if you just want to go and take that, it'll, you'll leave with at least, you know, my goal is just to get somebody, not overwhelm them, but like at least three or five solid things that you can start with and just be like, yeah, you know, like, okay, here we go. Here's my, here's my to-do list, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I love that. That's so helpful. Yeah. 
So can you tell everyone where they can like find you obviously on your website and then social media and your podcast? Yes, I do. Well, first of all, you can listen to my podcast, The Curious Girl Diaries, wherever you hear podcasts, just you know, Google it, type it in, Apple, all over the place. Uh, or just another easy thing. I just tell everybody kind of go to my website, thecuriousgirldiaries.com. If you want to link to all my social media, because all my handles aren't, you know, they're all different, unfortunately. Um, go, just scroll down to the bottom of the first page. You can link there. Also, my podcast is there. I have a private podcast if you want additional content. And then there's the sex bucket list tutorial. And if you want to ask me any questions, I take voicemails. So on my website, there's a pink tab on the right-hand side. If you click on that, you can leave me a voicemail. Um, you have up to five minutes and you, we can talk about anything and everything that you want. And I do get back to, I, I list, sit there and I listen and it takes, takes a bit. <laughs> I get a lot of voicemails, but I sit there and I listen. I take notes and I, I respond to everybody personally. So uh, feel free to go there and let it rip. <laughs> amazing. Oh, I love that. Yeah, definitely go check it out, guys. It sounds amazing. And thank you so, so much for coming on. We've really, really enjoyed talking yeah, to you. Yeah, thank you. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Layla, for coming on. And I'm ho- I'm hoping you guys enjoyed that as much as we did. And obviously, go check out the episode that we did with her on her podcast that was like lots of fun and we should you know go on podcasts more often let us know guys if you'd like to see us on more podcasts or send send us podcasts that you'd like us to go on but Mm -hmm. I mean yeah anything do you have anything to add hun I feel like it's just interesting because we like mainly talk to either like experts who like do official research or like other people in our generation whereas Layla's like it's her own experience mm. and like she's obviously had a podcast and we love talking to other podcasters yeah. about just like why they decided to do what they do obviously because that's what we do <laughs> so yeah really enjoyed it and yeah thanks again to Layla and you guys obviously know where you can find us on our website www.sexforspodcast.com instagram tiktok facebook at Sextras Podcast and make sure you go leave us a review because it'll be really helpful. It's like with we've been doing this for three years now, guys. That's insane. So all <laughs> the support you can give us would be much appreciated. And we will see you very, very soon for another episode. Thank you for listening. Bye. You've been listening to Sextras. Presented by Honey Jane Wyatt and Maria Jose Hayodatiyi. Produced by Mabel Productions. Sex.